Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hi, friends. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12.9. It says, God's grace is sufficient. If I had you over to my house and cooked for you, which doesn't happen often that I cook, but then I asked you how it was and you said, it was sufficient, I would be devastated. If I asked Sean, how fulfilled do you feel in our marriage? And he said, it's sufficient. What? If you go into your annual review and you're expecting a pay raise and your boss says your work is sufficient and then just sat there looking at you, you would wonder if that means if you you even get to keep your job. So what if we learned about sufficiency? Because what if we told our kids that they were sufficient after their dance recital or their soccer game? So when you hear this verse, his grace is sufficient, it doesn't quite connect to our heart. It doesn't quite move us or excite us, especially when we are hopeless, which is the series we've been in. And so let's learn today what it really means and how it can help our hopelessness, God's sufficiency. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a good God, but thank you that you are going to help us learn what your grace being sufficient really looks like. Because when we're in a world that many feel hopeless, like a lot feel hopeless, when we feel hopeless, and if we're not there right now, we could be headed headed into a season that we feel hopeless. God, I pray that we can understand what that means so that we don't just want to skim over that verse that doesn't seem like it's going to help us because God, it is. And so help us learn that today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So that's sufficient. What do we take that to mean? If you have a sufficient amount of something, it's enough. Not too much, not too little, just right. Goldilocks is pleased with sufficient. Not too much, not too little, just right. Sufficient comes from the verb meaning to meet the need. So when we were pastors in San Diego, I love this. I tell this story too often. Pastor Jonathan, one of our worship leaders, and I, we did marketing for all of the campuses. And we did marketing for all of the services, including the Spanish services. And we worked closely with the Spanish pastor, Pastor Angelo. Now, he still had a very thick accent, but um, we were side by side in offices and talked often. And... um, When we launched the brand new website, he was the first one I wanted to show the new website to, but I didn't get to, I went to other people and showed them the website and it was blowing people's minds. I mean, it was all Jonathan, but we took them from a dial-up era website to an amazing interactive full video and picture website. People were blown away. Well, when I did finally see Pastor Angelo, I ran him through the pages that were his and his eyes lit up and he smiled and I could tell he loved it. And then he said, it's pretty good. My heart sunk. I said, pretty good? He repeated with a big grin. Yeah, it's pretty good. I was devastated. I called Jonathan and told him and he too was deflated as we felt like we gave everyone a great website. 
But this is when I finally understood it years later. I saw Pastor Angelo run up to Sean after Sean had preached one Sunday. And he told Sean, you did pretty good. <laughs> this was followed by Sean having his smile turn upside down, thinking, wow, it was just pretty good. Then it clicked for me, and I realized that this wasn't a translation issue. In fact, I looked into this. Pretty good to Angelo really meant really, really good, or at least good. But later when he and I had the conversation, we laughed about it because I said, really, like you devastated us when things were just pretty good. That's what's going on with the word sufficient in our current culture. This is not a translation issue. It's an understanding issue. So to help you understand, let me first tell you a marriage story. It's about the first half of Sean and I's marriage. And last Sunday, Pastor actually opened up about our marriage. But literally, exactly half of our first 25 years went one way, and the last half have been completely different. Something in both part one and part two of our marriage is the same, though. Sean and I are stubborn, which has served us well because we've endured a lot. We've lost a child. We've lost pregnancies. And we refuse to give up, so that's great. We have many times refused to give up on God to make life easier when the enemy's whispering in your ear saying, remember how carefree life was before you had to submit to God? So the first part of our marriage, though, began with problems right away. And because we were stubborn, we tried to muscle through. After eight or nine years of fight, make up, fight, make up, fight, make up, we sort of sought private help. And here's the key words, we sort of and private. It was private help. We almost got help because what we thought we needed was to protect our reputation and our job. I mean, we were pastors for grief's sake. We never really got help on our marriage, though. And for 13 years, we just sort of got help until we let it all come out and come to light and exposed it and all of the hopelessness to my parents. We admitted the brokenness that had now escalated to this, I would call it a hanging on by a thread marriage. It took me pulling out of our driveway with my mom and my little kids and looking in the rear view mirror at my sobbing husband. He was laying face first in the driveway. That's when I admitted my weakness and hopelessness for our marriage and I started the drive away. But that's what, Sean, what forced Sean to show his weakness. And I hadn't even seen that before. These weaknesses, they include pain and sin, but we had been too prideful, too scared, too confused, too hopeless to expose them before. It's easier, it seems, to cover for someone or lie about your own struggle and hide your sin. Now I'm gonna tell you a different marriage story. Adam, married to Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't do as good a job of covering for Eve, though. At uh, the beginning of the story, his way of covering for her was to run and hide and cover their newly exposed nakedness with fig leaves. But this is where God's sufficiency comes in and where it may surprise you, as it had to surprise them at God's reaction. So go to Genesis 3:7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? I mean, he knew where he was. Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here, that's your fault, with me, she, that's her fault, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. 
Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, it's his fault. The serpent deceived me and I ate it. Then even after the blame game, God proceeded to curse Satan. He didn't ask Satan his version like he did Adam and Eve. He knew what Satan's uh, goal is always, and it's the same today. He didn't even ask that. But he, in the next few verses, he describes to us, and we won't go into it, but Eve and all women forever, these are the things that would be a result of blatant disobedience to just one thing she was to keep her hands off. These are the curses that the woman received. Pain in childbirth, but also that the woman would want to control her husband and she would feel the desire for him and think she desires him more than he desires her. Uh, any takers out there on that struggle? Man, here's his curse. He would painfully work the ground. That's your job now. And it would be difficult and never be enough to satisfy him. Men, do you feel that curse? Then here it is. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. This is what sufficiency looks like. God came and clothed them out of their shame. God's goodness is what had him cover them with fur because leaves weren't enough for him. He is good even in our failure and our blame game and our hiding. Even when he finds us hiding from him, his grace is sufficient. So when Sean and I came to the end of ourselves and we let our weakness finally show God stepped in, he didn't leave us alone. He actually was more present and obvious to us than when we were trying to do it on our own. The fact he offers grace after, after we directly disobey and sometimes over and over and over again we disobey. This proves his goodness. So I want to share with you two weaknesses where God's grace is sufficient. Number one, your mind. And number two, your strength. So first, let's go into the weakness of your mind. We are weak in our own mind. That's the first step. Realizing we're weak on our own, in our mind, when left to ourself. When Eve was left to herself, it didn't take much for Satan to plant doubt. And everything she knew changed her mind. God helps us declutter the junk running through our head to hear his voice through scripture and prayer that leads to peace. But Satan comes to create doubt, confusion, hopelessness. Confusion is of the devil, though, and peace is of the Lord. Let that soak in for a minute. Confusion is of the devil, peace is of the Lord. Satan was cursed to have the children of that woman crush his head. And I believe Satan has been trying to sow doubt, not just in us, but in our kids ever since. Every day the enemy wants to wage a battle in your mind and with depression and it with it at an all-time high, specifically in kids and teens, don't you think we need God's grace to sufficiently wage war on the enemy, even in our mind? Okay, did you know that we are the voice of God to our kids until their brain is finishing being developed? And you want to know what age that is? They say between 26 and 29 years old. Oh, good Lord, we have teenagers. That's a long time away. We're the voice of God. So when we don't rely on God or we give ungodly advice with our mouth or our actions, our, we're really confusing. We're confusing the voice of God to our kids. I know that's heavy, but it's worth getting right, don't you think? This is why it's important to apologize to our kids at any age. It helps separate their view of God and us. When it's clear we are human and on our own, even our mind is weak, 
but then we make it clear to our kids that we aren't willing to settle for human habits. It literally speaks volumes to our kids and our adultish kids. Our voice isn't sufficient, so differentiate your voice from God's. So the, because I said so way of parenting, it doesn't work well, we know that. But the I'm human and I need a savior every morning when I wake up, that they see us carry and they see us fight through to love Jesus, that way of parenting is actually showing our kids that in our weakness, he is strong and he can be strong for them too. Sean and I are learning this the hard way and you've heard us talk about it. Um, But what we're learning is it's not on us to make our kids happy. And that stinks because we want to control that. We feel like for most of their life, we got to control their sweet little world and change things to make them happy. But we aren't sufficient enough for our kids. We won't find something to fill the void in their heart if they aren't 100% in with Jesus. We all go searching for that void filler, but their friends aren't sufficient enough. You see your kids looking for the friend and the friend group that's going to fill their need. Their sports aren't sufficient. We're trying to get scholarships for our kids or even get our kids a trophy and on a team. The sports aren't sufficient. We found out during the pandemic, school or grades are not sufficient because that can be yanked away. Fig leaves weren't sufficient. God provided an animal, an animal that had been tame and never touched before for food and clothing. He changed the status of the animal and humanity. Now he's changing the status of us from God. We have to accept that his ways, his mind is higher than ours. And when we don't understand his ways are higher than ours, he says, let me make up the difference with my grace. Okay, back to our marriage story for the first point. On our own, we listened to the lies of Satan, who was trying to create doubt in us both. Sean and I knew we needed to get help, but the whispers of doubt in our mind were, do you really want to lose your job over this, just for some counseling? Do you really think someone else can help just in an hour at a counseling appointment? Do you think any marriage is really good? Aren't they all just faking it? I definitely thought that often. Do you think you deserve a good marriage after both of your past? God knew what we were struggling with. We could have just gone to him. God knew what Adam and Eve did, but he came curious to Adam. And he said, will your heart tell me the truth? Will you admit your weakness? That apart from God, your mind is weak. And can you remind yourself of this when your mind is spinning? Confusion is of the devil. Peace is of the Lord. The second weakness where God's grace is sufficient, your strength. You may wonder how strength is any different from the mind because I'm obviously not talking about CrossFit type of body strength. Although, side note, that takes some mental toughness for sure. I gave up on that in the Sweat Angels a while ago because it's just, oh my gosh, it's mind-boggling. CrossFitters, you are amazing. So I'm not talking about that kind of strength, but I'm also not talking about just your mind strength. I'm not talking about the times you feel weak and doubtful. I'm talking about the times you feel strong and courageous. I'm talking about the seasons you are striving and running and conquering a million little things and you got this and people need you. So you are everything to everyone. I call the extreme version of this because that's not bad that you're strong and courageous. I don't want to say that, but I call the extreme of this a God complex. I had this for most of my ministry. When we became senior pastors in Detroit, it was a church that had been through a lot of abuse by leadership before us. And I thought if I just met with each person on every team or anyone in the congregation who needed it and counseled them for an hour or two, every single one of them, they would be healed. They would be whole. They would trust leaders in the church again. So I would meet all day, every day, guys, for months and months, almost a year. 
But at the end of the year, more than a half of the people left the church anyway. They were still broken, angry, distrusting authority. Some of the people I would meet with on a weekly basis, sometimes at the expense of my young kids waiting longer with a sitter at night, like I was some paid late night therapist. And yet those people still walked. I thought I learned my lesson from Detroit and I shook off the God complex, I thought. But three years later, when we arrived in Green Bay, which is now eight and a half years ago, I just shifted my God complex. I shifted it to the lobby and via text message to all of you. I was convinced for the last eight years that if you could just see me in the lobby or get a text from me, you would be saved. You'd go to heaven because you would be loved and see Jesus in me. A God complex says, I can be strong, not weak. I can handle this pressure with no break, with no exceptions to my availability. A God complex says, if I don't provide for these people entrusted to me, they will go. And as Rick Warren of Saddleback Church just said in a staff meeting this past week I was listening to, he said, I've been pastoring a parade all of these 40 years. I was shocked. I, I thought, no, he's never had people come and then leave. He said, oh, no, it's been hello. Nice to meet you. Goodbye. Hello. Nice to meet you. Goodbye. Hello. Even the ones that stayed for 15 years. Hello. Nice. Oh, bye. A God complex takes the credit, though, for the people coming to our church as our success. And likewise, people leaving our church is my own, my own failure. Even non-pastors experience a God complex when you take on people's failures as your own. Their loss of sobriety, their affair on their spouse, their depression, it's a weight not for you to bear. But we say, I say, I can clothe myself but you don't have sufficient strength or knowledge to carry that weight. You will wither. Eventually you will wither. Jesus said in John 15, five, I am the vine and you are the branches. I believe he was talking probably about grapevines. We've been in Israel now. We were in the, the village of Nazareth, probably feet from the village he grew up in or actually in it. And it really is vineyards everywhere. And so when he says this picture, the vine, the big, I mean, you, it's like you can't kill a grapevine. And then there's branches that's, that branch off. We have one at our house. And even when we cut off the branches, that vine is incredible. It doesn't seem to affect the vine at all. They get cut off and other ones in separate places grow new branches. So now that you have that picture, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Uh, I don't like that because I have a God complex. Like, don't tell me you're going to get rid of me. But he goes on. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So here's the answer for the God complex. Abide. And you know, for us people who are God complex people, the strong and courageous and I can do it. The word abide sounds a little like, like abide. That's like saying, just be peaceful, just chill. Like chill to me sometimes is like the worst thing you can say. Like what? I'm going to wait and just sit here. Like my knee will start bouncing because what are we going to do next? Here's the thing. When we're those kind of people, abide. Abide in Jesus. Abide with the Holy Spirit in you. That's that vine branch. Abide under God's wings. Abide. Paul, he had his own God, God complex. And actually last week, pastor talked about Paul at length. Paul was a strong guy. Paul was a confident guy. Paul was an in-control guy. And yet this is what he says. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, 
He must have had a God complex. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's a guy who was a strong, bold, courageous, God-complex, struggling guy. He liked that the promise was, how do I get strong? Oh, when I'm weak. That's the part I want you to remember. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul's words are sometimes misunderstood as being a weakness in some sin. And that's not probably what he's talking about. More likely, it's more of a physical ailment. If Paul were talking about sin, then he wouldn't have said in Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So grace is not a free pass to give ourselves up to sin. Grace is not a free pass to keep on keeping on if that keeping on is not towards Jesus. Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel weak? Or do you simply doubt so much right now in your mind? Or are you that person telling yourself you're strong, you're in control? But if you're honest, you can acknowledge that you're working out of your own gas tank and you're hoping it doesn't run out, especially with these high gas prices. <laughs> Stupid, seriously though, are you guys a guy or girl who has to be in control and has a God complex. Grace says that either when you are weak or when you are so strong, His grace is sufficient. No, not too much, not too little, just right. It fits you. I wanna pray for you and I wanna pray for maybe the thorn in your flesh, your weakness or your God complex, any or all of those. But before I do that, will you bow your head? Right now, you may be sitting there and going, this all sounds great, but I don't even know the first step. And the first step to God's grace being enough is just repenting and becoming a Jesus person. So wherever you're sitting right now, wherever you're standing, whoever you're with, just give yourself a moment to just bow your head and say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. I want all of you, and I want you to be enough for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now for the rest of us who's struggling with one or the other, or maybe in one week you feel like you go from weak to strong in control and you're fighting that battle, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you if maybe it's also a thorn in the flesh that you're like, I've just been praying for this to go away. But it's a reminder as it was to Paul that without God, without his sufficiency, we will be weak in the mind. We will be weak in our strength because we need him to be enough. So let me pray with you. God, I thank you for my friends. I pray that we would just have a revelation, God, that something fit. And for some of us, two or three things fit on where we need your sufficient grace. God, you're more than enough, but you're sufficient, which is just what we need. So be that for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. 
Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.